All right, it's the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast, the Fantasy Finish Line. Today is Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. Tonight we're talking about second-year wide receivers and fantasy red flags. With those red flags. That's going to be a fun conversation, I feel like. Thank you, sir. Just make sure you don't have your rose-colored glasses on. Musical stylings of David Biggs, everyone. All right, this is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by Dave Biggs. Dave, cheers, my friend. Oh, you thought we were just going to do the one cheers, didn't you? We'll be doing a lot of cheersing, but it's okay. It's part of the broadcast, <sighs> and uh, we are ever approaching the start of uh, the fantasy football season. The first game is uh, next Thursday. It's officially September. I remember uh, when we were... Uh, just talking about the upcoming season back in uh, March and April yeah. when, when preparing for and then realizing the actual uh, 2021 rookie draft. And we are super psyched to have the season be almost here, just sort of nipping at our ankles like a, like a tiny Australian cattle dog. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So this evening we are drinking on some Lagunitas Stereo Hopic IPA. It's an elixir of hops. Laurel hops, or no, it's elixir hops and laurel hops. I'm just gonna make shit up as I go along. Yeah. What uh, what kind of wine are we drinking here, Dave? Uh, so Do not is, have the bottle handy. This is from a somewhat local winery uh, called Aqua Viva in Maple Park, Illinois, and this particular wine is called Piacere. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a sommelier, although I do know some fancy wine words. Yeah. Uh, we're going to drink some wine and some beer, but mostly beer. Like sommelier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terroir, you know. I can, Terroir. I can throw out some, some wine words. I don't know. I think you, you've shown uh, more of an interest in wine than you have in the past over, let's say, the last two or three years, right? Sure. Well, going to wine tastings will do that for you. Yeah. When you finally find stuff that you like and... You know, you find the right time to drink wine and mm-hmm. find the right food to pair it with and smoke some cheese. You, you get some good wine out of it. Truth. Uh, so remember, uh, if you are listening to us live right now on Wednesday evening, you can go to the chat room in YouTube and ask us questions during the show. Um, if you aren't listening to us live, or even if you are, make sure to follow us. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. I, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You know, it doesn't matter. Do it, something on Instagram. The point is, the point is that we're out there on uh, all the social media that that you people may be on, and, and I am as well. Yeah, but, but not Jason so much, and that's another podcast, really. Um, we could, yeah, we could delve into the depths of uh, my aversion <laughs> to certain social medias. But it's okay. Uh, I think we get a lot more um, listeners during the regular season, and that makes complete sense uh, for the live broadcast, but. Uh, there's still tons of people that listen to our podcast through Stitcher, through Apple Podcasts, through Google Music, through all those different channels, yeah. and you can do that through Drink5.com. So you can subscribe to our, our show by uh, looking at the YouTube and watching the video, or you can just listen to the audio version if you don't want to see our pretty faces uh, on a week-by-week basis. That's right, James Harrison. <laughs> um, or, you know, Isaiah Loudermilk. Yes, that's right. <laughs> 
But uh, this show is going to be super fun. We're talking about second-year wide receivers, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I think back in the day when, when Jason and I both started playing fantasy football, which right now is probably 10-plus years ago, maybe even more than that. Easily. I mean, we've had 10-year anniversaries in leagues go by already. Yeah. Uh, we used to talk about third-year breakouts all the time. Yes. And, and we still do. But I think that it sort of moved up a little bit, uh, and because of the talents and the preparation of uh, teams and individual players throughout college, and because of the way that they're set up going into the NFL now, I think they're more prepared to break out at an earlier age. And and you can correct me if, if you think uh, that I'm off base here, but I think that's the reason that you brought up this topic for this particular podcast, is that last year's rookie class had a lot of great receivers in it. It really did. And some of those people could be considered to have already broken out. For example, Justin Jefferson. He's not going to be a second-year breakout. The guy's already a stud receiver. And C.D. Lamb as well. But... Apparently he gets more fan mail than Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> uh, and Hard Knocks has been kind of fun this year. Yeah. How about that drone shot from last week? Yeah, very cool. Yes. But but the point is um, that a, a lot of these guys that are still a little unsung, you know, deserve their own background music. And so we're here to kind of hum along to uh, what we hope to be a very productive fantasy season this year for them. Yes. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we always look at is, you know, guys advancing and, and getting better. And some of these guys, like Justin Jefferson, maybe don't have a lot of room for improvement because they're already so great. But that's what you want to track is from the first to the second year how much these guys can improve. That used to be what would happen. You'd see receivers um, kind of lurk in the background and get a little bit of action here and there. And then in the third year, they would finally become the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, as the college game and the pro game um, have gotten closer together, you have these receivers who are ready to go. So you're going to see plenty of that this year. If you want to delve into all the rookie wide receivers, go to our website. We have a breakdown of the rookie wide receivers on there from our rookie expert, Sean Foss. Uh, And we'll have him on later in the season as well on the podcast in order to help us break down um, all the rookies that we have questions about. So uh, let's dive into the second year wide receivers now. Uh, this is uh, ADP information comes from Fantasy Pros. We're using half point PPR, and it's a consensus of four sources. The data is as of yesterday, and um, these are guys that we know well. Uh, the first group, anyways, who have had very productive rookie seasons last year. They're all WR ones with great upside. They've all scored over 150 fantasy points in their first season. They're all at two or more points per touch. And now right. points per touch is a stat that we had looked at um, on and off throughout the life of the podcast where we use that to sort of gauge just how productive a player can be. And then when you take the points per touch and you take the opportunities that a player is going to have, you have a good estimate of what to expect from them throughout the year. Um, you know, the, the amount of work any player has that you can predict anyways is going to sort of... Uh, um, dictate where you want to take them in, in a draft as, and where you want to start them. Yeah, and we, we did um, a long time ago some procedurally generated um, rankings that we used more of an algorithmic-based formula for uh, when we were first on Fantasy Pros as a ranked expert. 
Um, since then, I still use points per touch as a metric uh, that's very important to the way that I end up ranking players. Uh, but it's no longer in that sort of more robotic uh, Excel. It's got a generated. little more human touch to it now. Yeah, but I think that for those of you that are not as interested or as uh, familiar with the points per touch statistic, which is very simply the uh, fantasy points you know, divided by the amount of... Receptions of plus rushes. Receptions and rushes or amount of time someone touches the ball. That's a super cool stat because it'll show you even if someone didn't play very many games that year or if they weren't as involved in the percentage of snaps, yeah. it still shows you how, uh, how, how good they are, how efficient they are as a player. Given enough of a sample size because you're always going to get an outlier like an Antone Smith. Remember him? Yeah, Anton Smith. A running back who was scoring like three points per touch. He's actually the best football player of all time. Which is an insane thing. The the very best (laughs) PPR receivers uh, that we would measure would score one and a half points per touch. Like think of a Darren Sproles in his prime, someone like that, uh, was putting up about 1.5 points per touch, and Anton Smith was doubling that. So you need a big enough sample size. I think we have a full, a good full season of all of these guys. So starting off with Justin Jefferson, who is uh, ADP 7, and this is among wide receivers. Um, his 2020 stats, he played 16 games. He had 125 targets, or over 125 targets, 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, 7 touchdowns, 230 points total, 2.58 points per touch. That's the best mark among all of the uh, second-year wide receivers that we're looking at tonight. So his 2020 season was, I would say, the ceiling of what you would expect from any rookie. Now, obviously, a second- or third-year guy, you can maybe expect a bit more if they're a true superstar. So with his ADP where it is this year, he's being drafted as though he will essentially repeat last year's performance. Now, I don't think that he would really improve upon his points-per-touch number or th- Frankly, his yardage number, 1,400, is a whole lot. Um, There is a bit of room to increase his targets because we see the real number one guys pull in about 150 targets a year sometimes. And he can increase his touchdowns. Seven isn't isn't crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's arguably one of the best rookie wide receivers uh, of all time at this point. Uh, so <laughs> he, yes, he played, uh, on the team that had Randy Moss who put up like maybe the greatest rookie wide receiver year. And this was comparable to it. Um, so if you are not put off by the sort of disconnect that I see anyways, in the Minnesota locker room between the coach wanting everyone to be vaccinated and some of the players insisting otherwise, um, by all means, I think that Justin Jefferson should be a top 10 wide receiver. If you have some, um, hesitation because of that, I understand and would um, would accept you know passing on the on, on just having any Vikings this year. But I think that Justin Jefferson is the guy, certainly going to be the number one guy on that offense to own. I think I would rather have him than Dalvin Cook, to be honest with you, just because a wide receiver is a position that is going to remain healthier uh, and be more consistent. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts on Justin Jefferson? Uh, no, no, I, I think we can cruise he's, past these He's pretty guys. freaking great, Now, right? the guys we're going to talk about <laughs> at the beginning of the show here are guys that have all proved themselves a little bit already. Right, um, and I think what we're sort of gauging here is we're going to look at their past performance and the position they're in now and judge whether or not their ADP is, they're worthy of their ADP. Mm-hmm. Whether she'd be reaching for them or taking them right there. I think seven's fine. He's a top ten guy. Yeah, Jefferson's awesome. Uh, so moving two or three either way, even at seven, is acceptable to me. 
you know, I, I think when I look at like maybe the top three wide receivers, I'm okay with taking any three of them. Um, anyways, that's a tier conversation for a different time. Uh, we got CeeDee Lamb, who is ADP of 12. His 2020 stats are as follows. 16 games, over 111 targets. He had 74 receptions for 935 yards, 5 touchdowns, 10 rushes for 82 yards, and another touchdown. He scored 180 points on the year, 2.15 points per touch. So uh, this is a guy that's going to have um, be you know working the uh, – um, the field more instead of going downfield quite as much as maybe a Justin Jefferson. So he did not record a 100-yard game once Dak Prescott went down. He did score eight touchdowns um, uh, I'd have to double check my numbers here because they don't agree with the other numbers that are written down. Anyways, that's all that caught me up. Anyways, what I really like is CeeDee Lamb's knack for finding the end zone. It did not stop once Dak Prescott was out of the game. So this season, he's going to be the number one wide receiver on the Cowboys starting right away. Um, An increase in his targets is almost certainly a given, and uh, his yardage should get a healthy boost because Dak's going to be throwing on the ball all season. Last year, CeeDee Lamb finished as a WR20 uh, so the bump in ADP this season seems right to go from 20 up to 12. Uh, the only thing that would keep me from drafting him this early um, is that someone is probably going to reach for him because he's on hard knocks, and we all know that all the players that are on hard knocks uh, are, are usually like almost like the hometown darlings. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever city you live in, whatever NFL city is closest to you, are going to be, you know, those players are usually going to go a little bit earlier than they should, and that seems to uh, be the case with Hard Knocks players, especially if they're featured. And he was featured in Episode 2. I haven't finished Episode 4 yet, and there's still one more week of Hard Knocks to go. So I imagine that, you know, they're going to show C.D. Lamb some more, and that's just going to increase his uh, visibility uh, and probably get people to start taking him as, you know, that the top 10 kind of guy, like a number 10. Um, but I like the ADP of 12. If you can get him in that space, I fully endorse that. You know, CeeDee Lamb is going to be uh, a guy who is a favorite of a quarterback who uh, was putting up record numbers last year until he got hurt. So big CeeDee Lamb fan over here, Dave? Yeah, so I, I think it's more about, for me, uh, uh, Dak Prescott, who's a really incredible quarterback who has been kind of pushed down a little bit in the rankings because of his injury last year, because of his perceived shoulder injury that everyone's been talking about this year. Right. But that apparently is not a problem from all of the people that are close to the team, all the beat reporters, etc. Their offense is a high-powered, good offense, as it was in the beginning of 2020. So whether you're talking about guys like uh, Michael Gallup or guys like Ezekiel Elliott or guys like CeeDee Lamb, it doesn't really matter. They're all going to get a lot of attention, a lot of targets, as long as Dak Prescott is the quarterback and not uh, our friend, um, you know, the Italian Stallion. Uh, didn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Garrett Gilbert got cut today. Uh, they signed someone else, but I believe the backup will be the Italian Stallion. I forget his, his name, and I apologize to... To him, but Danucci. I think it's, it's ben Danucci. Ben Danucci. Yeah, that's right. So, point is, uh, there's no nobody really, no depth below Prescott. And they don't even have a guy like Andy Dalton now. They just have Danucci, which is not really anybody to go to. Uh, so, as long as Dak Prescott's healthy and slinging the ball, he's a great option. Now, uh, the drink5.com, uh, with our writers and contributors, we have our own league that is just finishing its draft right now. 
And if we look at our league, just for example, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. CeeDee Lamb uh, was the tenth receiver taken off the board uh, at position three, eight. Oh, this is that's that's a great reference. I meant to do this tonight. Um, at three, four was Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So, uh, well, but, but when we look at the that's that's W that's WR eight. Right. So he's he's a little bit after the ADP, and then CD Lamb was drafted a little early, just yeah. like you mentioned, because it, probably that he has that visibility because of hard knocks, because everyone is hyping up that offense. But he I, was I think drafted it's, by our guy Nick, who uh, writes um, Nick uh, Nicky the Note, uh, does a gambling col- column usually. He, in my opinion, tends to reach for guys that he really likes. And I don't, I'm not saying it's too far of a reach or anything like that. So, you know, he may be onto something there with CeeDee Lamb. But I think it's uh, it's justifiable, as you said, going a couple in either direction. Now, obviously, you're generally going to want to draft somebody after their ADP, but in, in plenty of different... Ideally. In plenty of different leagues, that's not possible. If everyone's looking at ADP as, uh, uh, as a, um, a marker on which to grab someone then oftentimes you have to reach in order to get them. If it was to go around again, that player wouldn't be there. Correct. So uh, I have I have no problem with where he grabbed them. Okay. Our next guy is Brandon Ayuk. His ADP is WR23 this year. So in 2020, he played 12 games, 96 targets, uh, turned into 60 receptions, 748 yards, five touchdowns. And this was impressive. Six rushes for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so 154 and a half Fantasy points was 2.34 points per touch. That's quite a number. Mm-hmm. So he is uh, much more volatile week to week compared to the previous two players that we just mentioned. And I believe this is mostly due to the dominant running game in San Francisco. You know, they have so many different running backs. They like to run the ball a lot. If they can establish that running game, they're just going to keep doing it. They're not going to throw the ball very much. So last season... Um, he had three receptions or fewer in five of his 12 games. Um, only one of those games did he produce a double-digit fantasy performance. Uh, and, and also remember that his points per touch last year are boosted by the awesome running stats that he had. Perhaps he's going to be more of a C.D. Lamb type of guy where he's in the 2.1 range rather than the 2.3, um, which is a, a decent difference when you're looking at you know, the difference between a WR7 and a WR23. So anyways, uh, this season with George Kittle back in the mix, as well as the top-tier rookie running back Trey Sermon, I'm not certain that Brandon Ayuk is going to change much from the volatility we saw last year. So I expect some of his games to have very little usage, meaning two to three receptions at most. Um, So he's not going to touch the ball a lot in every game. But if he is in line for 80 receptions this year instead of last year's 60, let's add four more games uh, at five catches a game roughly, um, I think that brings him easily into the realm of the top 20 w, uh, wide receivers. Last year, the WR20 was C.D. Lamb, in fact. He scored 180 points. So uh, I think that you've got Ayuk going at WR23. I believe his, um, you know, not even his ceiling, but... You know, a full season of him is going to bring him to WR20. So 
go for it at 23. Uh, no problem with taking him as the 20th wide receiver off the board or even like 19 if you want to, if you really want him. Yeah, again, uh, comparing it to the draft that we just uh, are completing now, uh, you actually selected um, Brandon at uh, WR23, uh, which is exactly his ADP. Fantastic. Uh, in between. That means I got good value. In between Cooper Cup and T. Higgins. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting to. Spoiler alert. It's always interesting to see things. One of those guys is next. <laughs> It's always interesting to see things. Well, it's not Cooper Cup. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Major spoilers in the in the uh, uh, in the veil of uh, one particular draft, which has particular people in it, which believe particular things. Obviously, it's going to be a little different all the time. But I would posit that in most of our drafts, and we play in a lot of leagues. Um, there are talented or intelligent people playing, and so in most of these leagues, uh, we're going to be examining what that ADP is and looking at that while drafting. Um, if not all of us, then at least most of us. Everyone should have a league where there's a few tacos in the league, but you should also have a league where everyone's a really solid player. <laughs> this is definitely one of those leagues where everyone's a really solid player, except for that one taco. You know who you are. So uh, next on our list, I have completely lost my notes, is T. Higgins, as I mentioned earlier, as I teased. ADP of 24 this year. In 2020, he played 16 games, 108 targets. It's 67 receptions, which was good for 908 yards, six touchdowns, 161 points, 2.24 points per touch. So there is another rookie wide receiver joining the Bengals this year. That's Jamar Chase. He has, you know, everything you hear about Jamar Chase this year is that he's not catching the ball. He's struggling really badly. He needs more time to adjust to the NFL. I think that he will be able to. He did not play football last year. So to go from 2019 with Joe Burrow in a record-breaking year to not playing last year to all of a sudden being in the NFL is got to be just causing whiplash, a huge culture change. It's going to take him some time. Uh, be patient with him if you have him in a dynasty league. Um, obviously, you drafted him early enough that you'd have to be patient anyways. Um, if you're going to draft Jamar Chase this year in a redraft league, you better be waiting really late. But we're not talking about Jamar Chase. We're talking about T. Higgins. So what you've got is Higgins and you've got Tyler Boyd, and they're going to be carrying the load in Cincinnati. Higgins didn't see very much of a drop in production once Burrow went down last year. I think it was the last five or six games that they played without Joe Burrow. So I expect to see a similar stat line this year for T. Higgins as he had last year. Probably a modest improvement because he's a second-year player. He's more familiar with the offense. They actually get the offseason this year to uh, work together and stuff. So last year Higgins finished as the WR30. His ADP of 24 is probably about as optimistic as I'm willing to go uh, for T. Higgins this year. So if you can get him in that spot at 24 or maybe a few lower, then um, that's fine. I do not recommend re reaching above 24 for him, and I believe in our Drink 5 draft, he was the next player after Ayuk, which would make him the 24th. So uh, that would be Sean Foss who took him. Uh, nice job, Sean. Right on, right on target there. Any thoughts on T. Higgins, Dave? Nope, sounds good. All right, and then the final of our really elite rookie wide receivers last year, guys who were um, putting up some really nice numbers, is Chase Claypool. One of these guys here. Uh, his ADP is WR25. He played 16 games as well last year. 109 targets, 
62 receptions, 873 yards, nine touchdowns in the air. Added two more on the ground. Remember, he had that four-touchdown game. I remember. Yeah, that was some craziness. Uh, three fumbles, but that's not going to keep them from trying to get the ball in his hand. 183.9 fantasy points, 2.55 points per touch uh, is the second-best mark that we have in this rookie group. So Chase Claypool, awesome. 11 touchdowns last year, led all the rookies that we're going to talk about today. It boosted his visibility in fantasy. It certainly helped out his points per touch number. Uh, expecting Chase Claypool to reproduce that number is wishful thinking in my book. 11 touchdowns is a lot for anyone. I don't think that he's going to get that this year. I expect to see small regression back down to the uh, 6 to 8 range. Um, so he finished as the WR 19 in points. So dropping him down to the WR 25, which is what his ADP is right now, tracks with the regression. So ideally for Chase Claypool, the, the offense as a whole, the Steelers will see an improvement. So interestingly, they were 12th in points, but 24th in yards for their offense last year. So they're scoring outpaced the actual offense they're able to gain, uh, which sort of is reflected there in Chase Claypool's stats. Um, so I think that the Steelers are going to see some sort of regression, and those two numbers will uh, will will be closer to each other this year. Um, best case scenario, the yardage increase, the yardage will increase for the Steelers, and the points won't dip by very much at all. Chase Claypool at ADP twenty five. Um, I'm guessing that he went much later, so five, six, seven. He went as the eighth uh, in the twenty. I'm sorry, twenty eighth wide receiver in our draft. Um, so that's decent value. As I said, I would not reach for him beyond 25 uh, because he basically put up what I would call his ceiling last year because he scored 11 touchdowns, uh, expecting guys to reproduce their touchdown numbers year after year with the ver- the exception of very few players in the NFL can do that. Um, so you have to expect some regression. So Chase Claypool, I expect to, you know, uh, I, I like him at WR25 uh, on the Steelers. You, you, you're a Steelers fan. you gotta have, you got to give me some thought on Chase Claypool, on Mapletron. So my thought is it's a new offense run by Matt Canada. It's not the same as the previous one. Randy Fickner's offense that was running through Ben Roethlisberger was full of short passes, uh, you know, di- uh, dip and dunk. Uh, that's that's uh, the kind of offense they were running last year. Also, okay. Uh, Ben's arm wasn't fully healed from the uh, surgery that he had had on it previously, and that's that's been talked about uh, ad infinitum. So I think you're right when you say that uh, increases in yardage offset the amount of touchdowns, and uh, not to mention the fact that they have Pat Fryermuth, uh, who is an, uh, a new guy for red zone looks, who is the tight end that they just drafted this year. Uh, and he already had two touchdowns in one game in the preseason. There's going to be more people that are getting those touchdowns, but I think that he's Chase is going to be just as much of a weapon. And if anyone's losing on this offense, it's going to be Juju because Juju is simply not as explosive of a player as Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, and Pat Fryermuth. Um, I mean, he may still put up his numbers uh, to make him an average wide receiver, but he's not going to be the guy. Anymore. Juju is too busy doing milk crate challenges. <laughs> it's a pity. But he but he nailed it. Did he? I didn't see it. I just know that he read, like, he that's read. a good way to probably tear something. Well, if you fall down. 
if you fall down. That's right. <laughs> but but I, I agree with your uh, uh, what you're saying here. Uh, I think obviously Claypool and Johnson are the guys to look at uh, on this particular offense. Now, do you think that having met Canada is good for the Canadian on the offense? <laughs> oh goodness! Don't answer that. <laughs> so, but but ultimately, uh, the Steelers' passing offense, which should and Ben's last year possibly in the league. Uh, still put up 4,000-plus yards in this offense, um, is capable of supporting all three wide receivers. 4,000 passing yards. Yeah, I totally agree. So Jerry Judy is going to be in our next tier of guys who are close but no cigar. Uh, They're not quite where you want them to be. Um, So Jerry Judy in 2020 played 16 games. He had 113 targets. 52 receptions, 856 yards, and three touchdowns, two fumbles, 131.6 points, 2.53 points per touch. Jerry Judy's a big play kind of guy. He had uh, 16-plus yards per reception, so that is going to be um, the the type of player that he is, I think. Mm -hmm. He saw a consistent amount of targets last season uh, with only one game being below four targets. So right, right away from game one. He was being used a decent amount. The big problem with Jerry is that he has a catch rate of 46%, and that's going to severely limit your ceiling when you're just not catching the ball enough. The team's going to find itself in third down a lot more. Um, You you have 113 targets and only 52 receptions. That's not going to cut it for a top-tier guy. They're not going to throw you the ball over 100 times again if you aren't even catching it half the time. So I do expect this to go up. Teddy Bridgewater, who has a 66.5% career completion rate, is the starting quarterback in Denver. Last time, if you remember, we were talking about the quarterback, um, the quarterback, con- not controversy, uh, competition in Denver. And I brought up the fact that I thought that Jerry Judy would be better off with Drew Locke. But I th- I- I've looked at the numbers and I think differently now. Because what you see from 2020 is that Teddy Bridgewater had 7.6 yards per attempt, and Drew Locke was a full yard worse at 6.6 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. So even though Teddy Bridgewater feels like a checkdown king, he still throws the ball downfield more and farther than Drew Locke as a whole. When you look at all of their, um, you know, their numbers, so I think Jerry Judy would be just fine with Bridgewater. Um, he finished last year as a WR44. So he's getting a big bump here as a WR30 at his ADP at the moment. Uh, I think that's a lot of optimism by the public that Jerry Judy is going to get the ball in his hands more reliably. He's going to score more touchdowns. He only had three last year. Um, he's really good value at WR30. I would not reach past the uh, you know sort of margin of error we were talking about, which was a two, maybe three, uh, earlier, so uh, do you have the number as, as to where he went? Well, we don't have to look at every guy, but yes, in our in our draft, he went twenty five. And uh, if you're if you're counting how these guys are moving uh, as far as trajectory, Judy is moving up through the ADP. Yeah, up. definitely. Um, it, people are looking at at Denver as an offense that may be picking up this year. I know we've talked about them in in previous podcasts, like you said. Their defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of offensive weapons. They just drafted a new running back. Their offensive line is uh, is not too shabby. Yeah. Um, so uh, Judy could make that next step. And what we like to talk about is predictive uh, stuff rather than uh, based only on previous performance. 
Correct. And so I think that you are correct in thinking that uh, there's still some volatility here. And obviously, as you go further down, there's going to be more chaos and volatility yeah, in the players. But uh, he is still moving up through the ADP. And uh, it's a risk-reward thing with Judy because he is is possibly going to be that number one guy on that offense. I would think almost certainly. Well, I think he's past Cortland Sutton as far as like the biggest producer on the team. So that's the question. Uh, if if he takes over for Sutton and becomes the clear number one, then obviously he's going to produce at a top twenty-five wide receiver uh, fantasy production output. Yes. But if they still continue to kind of share targets, um, et cetera, then he may perform only to the 30 or, or less that, that you're looking at via ADP numbers. So this is where you have to make that decision. And um, in our particular draft, he was chosen right after T. Higgins um, and uh, right before Robbie Anderson. Uh, and so that's one place he could be. In our draft, he was chosen before Chase Claypool. Um and Cortland Sutton followed shortly after. He ended up being the uh, uh, 29th wide receiver off the board. Yeah. And so uh, it's uh, it's it's always different. In Look, it's draft. possible. Remember, last year, DJ Moore was the deep guy in Carolina. He put up 178 fantasy points last year. Mm-hmm. That's a 50-point improvement for Jerry Duty if he can do this. What, what DJ Moore did last year yep. with the same quarterback. Not the same offense, but... With the same quarterback. So um, there's a lot of room for improvement with Jerry Judy, which we have not seen from the previous five guys, mostly because those guys were much closer to their ceiling to begin with. Yep. So LaVisca Chenault is the next guy on the list. Junior. His ADP. Junior. LaVisca is a junior? I think so. Okay. I guess when you're you're named LaVisca, you want to carry that on, right? I don't know if he has it on his actual jersey or not. (laughs) But I believe he is. Okay, so his ADP is 42. He played 14 games last year, 79 targets, turned into 58 receptions. That's a good conversion rate. 600 yards and five touchdowns. He added 18 rushes for 91 yards. His 128 fantasy points wound up being 1.69 points per touch. So he definitely trails this group of rookies statistically, uh, coming in way behind these guys in terms of points per touch. And he's in a new offense this year with head coach Urban Meyer. Marvin Jones got signed by the Jags as a free agent, and he's going to soak up a bunch of targets. So I would say that Chenault has yet to fully break out. His career high is only 86 yards in a game. We haven't even seen him get 100 yards in a game. So I think it's certainly possible. He's got a lot of room for improvement. He can take the next step this year. He's got a new quarterback, a much better quarterback this year. He's got a new coach. There is a new receiver probably ahead of him in the pecking order. So I don't expect that step forward to be very large, but I do expect him to be better than the WR 47 that he was last year. Him going at 42 feels like pretty good value to me. I wouldn't mind taking him as high as 40, maybe 38. Um, But really, it's anyone's guess as to what the Jaguars offense is going to look like because they were very, very vanilla in the preseason. Uh, Urban Meyer seemed very um, hesitant to show anything. And that's how a lot of these coaches treat the preseason as, you know, instead of it being a way to test out your players and uh, see what they can do, it's more of a let's just play some generic football and get out of there healthy. And I feel like that's what the Jaguars did this year. Uh, So we don't really know what sort of bells and whistles they're going to be able to put on that offense. Um, 
So it's it's a new thing. Are we going to see like uh, the classic college coach, uh, you know, crash and burn, or are we going to see something new and interesting like a um, what was the guy in the Eagles a few years ago who? Uh, Brian, what's his face? Oh, I forget his name. Who had just like a very interesting offense and kind of changed the way. He didn't last very long, but he sort of changed the way that people uh, had to deal with him and had to defend him. Um, the guy from Oregon. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, I I think we're we're talking about uh, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. I don't know where Brian came from. You know, Brian Kelly. Brian okay. Chip Kelly. Brian Kelly. Why not? Maybe Chip Kelly. Brian is his nickname. It's Chip Brian. Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I agree. Uh, interesting offense. They have a, a brand new uh, quarterback. They won the the Trevor Lawrence lottery, um, and they unfortunately don't have Travis Etienne uh, because of injuries. But but James Robinson was no slouch. He'll he'll be able to do that same role that he had last. I year. agree. I, I think that they're going to be just fine with James Robinson. The real problem is just going to be like you said. Uh, the, the coaching and play calling of that team, and how does it translate to the playmakers that they have, and is everyone going to get behind a new uh, offense led by that coach? Yeah, I, I don't think, like, as much as we like to meme up Gardner Minshew, and he's fun, and he's a great backup quarterback, and he can start in a pinch for you. He wasn't going to be the guy to lead that franchise anywhere other than to the Trevor, Trevor Lawrence promised land. So... Um, the, the offense this year in Jacksonville is going to be vastly different than it was last year. And, and I think that um, were it not for Marvin Jones's acquisition, I would be – that LaVisca Chenault would be much higher on the list. Well, now Minshew's on the Eagles, which is perhaps one of the only teams worse than the Jaguars. Yes, uh, well, let's not forget about the Houston Texans, please. Well, <laughs> they haven't proved they're bad yet. I'm, my The exciting thing is going to be if they're actually like a really good team. You're – you know what? Nobody's actually said that Mark about the Ingram Texans and David Johnson and uh, who their third string running back is Philip Lindsay. They haven't proven that they're bad yet. Yet everyone has uh, has pronounced them dead on arrival. Yeah. Well, a uh, Chenault in our draft, uh, and this might be the last one I count to because there's a lot of counting, uh, is number forty four. Yeah. Uh, so he went a little bit after his ADP, right after uh, Antonio Brown, actually. Uh, and before Mikol Hardman, so now you're getting to that point in the draft, and it's a good it's a good cutoff point uh, in transition to our next uh, segment, where the the players are starting to lose that uh, assured uh, amount of targets. Per you game. know what's interesting is he went uh, a couple rounds before Marvin Jones. Why is that interesting? Well, I was just saying how I would think that Marvin Jones is probably going to be uh, 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 used more. Well, Jones is a little older. Like uh, you is. get the drop off in uh, athletic, uh, you know, athleticism for the age, et cetera. Certainly. But, but this is exactly where you get to the middle rounds and then the late rounds, mm-hmm. where uh, someone could shift, you know, ten different spots based on what you think of that person. And it's not necessarily gonna, yeah. That, that that's interesting. I like the way that that goes. But uh, but I love talking about those those guys. Let's let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, some of those guys that are a little bit more in the middle and late rounds and what they might add value to your team. Yeah, let's have a let's have a drink. Okay. By the end of the season, you guys will be able to buy the album from Dave Biggs. Oh my goodness! I just put a clock on it, Dave. 
listen on Spotify. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nobody buys albums anymore. Well, you know, we can try and sell a few. I'll take my point zero zero two cents per stream. Oh, so you're one of the top artists. <laughs> <laughs> I like the bass, though. I slap at the bass, man. That a bass over there? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you should put some of the guitars on the wall one of these days. It's, it's the wrong wall for that, I guess. Okay. But nobody can see that, so one of these days there'll be guitars behind us. In in the fantasy football podcast, um, maybe fantasy guitar podcast where I talk about what kind of guitars that I would like to purchase. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, players with an increased role due to roster changes, injuries, etc. A lot of these things affect all the players that I'm about to talk about, but these guys may be more than some of the other ones. You know, uh, we're going to talk about a bear. We're going to talk about uh, a Colt. We're going to talk about all sorts of guys. Mm -hmm. So first, let's touch on Darnell Mooney. Uh, and the reason we're bringing him up is because Anthony Miller was was uh, traded over to the Houston Texans. Yes. Allen Robinson, first of all, get him out of the way. Uh, he has no competition in Chicago for the number one spot. He's one of the best receivers in football. He has that locked up. Uh, I don't think he has a contract yet beyond this year, uh, and you can check that out, but I'm pretty sure he's playing um, as uh, a contract year player, so we can count on him being pretty amazing uh, because he's probably going to be either somewhere else or the Bears are going to have to spend a ton of money to lock him up. 2022 out. UFA. Yeah. Uh, but this year he's getting paid but Darnell, $18 million. Is $18 million the franchise tag? Um, or was he not franchise tagged and that's just... Uh, no, I think it would say franchise tag. I always go to Sport Track for my contract information. Um, and it says that he signed a contract, a one-year contract with the Bears. Okay. Uh, Darnell Mooney has been working last year and the preseason to lock up number two. Anthony Miller previously had this spot on the offense, and he actually did perform really well. So since being drafted in 2018... Miller caught 134 passes for 1,564 yards and 11 touchdowns over that time. But if we look at the injuries and below average play over the past two seasons specifically, mm -hmm. that's part of the reason he was traded this past July, including the fact that he uh, he punched someone, uh, I think, during a live game and then was ejected from the game. <laughs> that's that's also not going to get you you know, a lot of uh, street cred with the, with the GM. But who's going to punch people in the helmet now for the Bears? I don't know. <laughs> Justin Fields, we don't know much about him. We'll see. As uh, long as he uses his left hand, I'm sure that everyone in Chicago will be okay with that. Uh, the Bears also acquired Marquise Goodwin ahead of the 2020 season, but he's one of the players that opted out due to uh, the COVID contract-related options that were available to players at that time. So he'll be a speedy option on the offense. But uh, we know, having watched Goodwin for the past couple of years, that he's not a direct threat to, to take all the targets and be the number two guy. He's simply uh, a guy with Olympian speed and athletic ability that can sometimes catch a football, but is not usually uh, a target hog because he is, uh, he is not that kind of a player. Um, unfortunately, I think we've seen the best of Goodwin already in the NFL, and it's not going to suddenly change this year for the Chicago Bears. That was Javon Wims who punched the guy in the playoffs. I'm, I think there was an Anthony Miller, too. Check it out. All right. Just put, look up Anthony Miller punch. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> I could be wrong, though. Uh, if the Bears end up moving uh, to Justin Fields at quarterback sooner rather than later, Mooney could hold flex value uh, in, in redraft leagues. <laughs> he punched C.J. Gardner. <laughs> There's a lot of punching. Oh, there. these guys. Uh, with Dalton out there, 
His current ADP of WR51 is a little tough to swallow at the moment, but yeah. I do think that uh, this is a guy that could provide flex value. Again, all these guys that we're going to talk about now are risk-reward plays. He went in the 12th upside. round of our draft, which is probably in that same area. Sure. So uh, depending on how deep your draft is, if it's, if it's a dynasty league, if it's a league that has a whole bunch of bench spots, uh, or even if it is just a regular redraft league, still a lot of these guys are being drafted as your wide receiver four or your wide receiver five. Uh, and they could, at the end of the season, be guys that are regularly, um, you know, filling up that uh, WR3 slot or flex slot if you have that in your league. Yeah. Thoughts on uh, Mooney or, or Miller punching people or, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, it's mind-blowing how stupid you have to be to punch someone in the helmet. No thoughts. I get it. Yeah. Well, I agree. Complete disregard for your own hand. Michael Pittman on the Colts uh, is here because of an injury to T.Y. Hilton. And T.Y. Hilton is apparently going to miss significant time with a neck and upper back injury, which yeah. is a, a place that you don't want to be injured in as a wide receiver. I mean, you don't. Or but, as a human, really. But but especially guys that are sprinting down the field, yes. uh, turning on dimes, we hope. Uh, that means that Pittman and Zach Pascal and Paris Campbell will be the starting receivers to open the year for new quarterback Carson Wentz. And this may be the opportunity that Pittman really does need to take over the WR1 spot here. Now, according to a lot of uh, beat reporters, a lot of pundits in the fantasy football world, including myself, uh, we've expected Pittman to be the guy to take over for T.Y. Hilton after they drafted Paris Campbell and he did nothing, uh, etc. And he actually had a pretty good year this past year. Um, he's 6'4", 223 pounds, fits the profile of Wentz's favorite receivers. So just so you know, since Wentz joined the Eagles in 2016, the team's leading receiver on the Eagles with Wentz as the quarterback has been 6'2 or over and 215 pounds plus. So he loves throwing to the tall, big guys. And that's exactly what Michael Pittman is for the Colts. Yep. Uh, Pittman's ADP of WR48 could end up being a bargain because he does have WR2 upside. Now, looking at a guy like Mooney, for example, he doesn't have that kind of upside because uh, Allen Robinson and Cole Komet uh, and, you know... And Allen Robinson. <laughs> those guys are going to suck up too many targets. Exactly. For, but but Pittman could end up being the guy who's WR1 all year long. Not only that, he gets to be the guy for at least probably the first five, six weeks uh, while we uh, sit and wait for T.Y. Hilton to come back from injury. Um, it's one of those possibilities where, where T.Y. Hilton comes back uh, he's healthier, but he never regains his WR run role on the team. Yeah, I, I totally can see that, especially after being injured yet again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's happening every year now, and I know we'll talk about being injury prone. I think for Hilton's case and a lot of these other veteran receivers, it's more like just being older, and so it's <laughs> it's more likely that it would occur. I, I know that aligns pretty well with injury prone, but that phrase a lot of people are very um injury prone yeah yeah some people don't it's like scary it. it's not what you want out of anybody you're drafting and when you draft this late you're drafting for upside you should not be drafting for floor that's right uh let's Speaking talk about upside let's talk about marquez callaway yeah. uh so this according to the michael thomas injury on the saints and the pup status that he has right now 
although it remains to be seen what happens down the stretch of the fantasy season, which is something that I probably don't have to say at all as a preamble to any player's uh, information. <laughs> Michael Thomas is going on the, the pup, the physically unable to perform list after foot surgery, and Traquan Smith is just returning to practice after a leg injury held him out through most of August. Now, those factors have propelled Marquez to the WR1 spot for the Saints currently. Now, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to say currently. Right. It doesn't mean that he'll be there forever. But then again, uh, we've had discussions about Michael Thomas and about how he, again, has not been doing so well. He's had uh, not only physical injuries, but also these issues when talking to the coaches, to the GMs. He's had problems in his in his own life that, that relate to the game. Um, and uh, I think that it has a lot to do with uh, who's going to be the the quarterback for that team. It looks like Jameis Winston has been announced as the starting quarterback. However, um, Taysom Hill will probably still be taking some goal line stands. He'll probably be out there during the games. Yeah. But what's good news is that um, he's performed well with both Winston and Hill uh, in preseason games and in practices. Especially Winston, Mm -hmm. who should be in there most of the time. He was 5 for 5, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and the game against the Jaguars, and both those uh, touchdowns came from Winston. So and They were long, 43 and 29 yards. So here's a guy who uh, is under the radar in a lot of ways, has, again, been moving up through the ADP. His ADP is currently WR49 and rising. I really like him. I'm kind of upset because I haven't yet been able to obtain him in any drafts. But the big reason for that is honestly because – uh, for most of the drafts that I've been in, someone has taken him uh, before or at his ADP when I've been thinking I could get him lower than that. So he was taken in the 13th round after Darnell Mooney um, by our rookie guy, Sean. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, he's, he's uh, close to the, the guy's performance in college, etc. Uh, so I do love it. I think there's no absence of opportunity for him to seize. So if he uh, if he carpe diems and carpe noctums his way uh, to a WRN, uh, WR1 role for at least a while, um, you know, that's going to be someone who can get you far more fantasy points than you, you, can, you should expect for the ADP that you got him at. Yeah, I mean, I would just say temper your expectations because we don't know how he's going to be necessarily against the very top of the... Um of the like defensive backs that he has to go against because he's going to get the best guy every week at the beginning of the year. But hopefully if you have Michael Thomas coming back, then Michael Thomas can have that uh, DB relationship Uh, and a guy like Callaway can still be out there as a WR two, which is really kind of what you want, especially for a younger guy, right? To be the guy that's across from the guy that gets all of the, um, all the attention. Right. You want to pull the attention occasionally so that the main guy can really shine. But then as soon as that happens, they have to get tension away from you again. And then you're left on your own or one-on-one and you can really do your thing. Yeah. But we know these situations depend a lot on, on how things are going to play out with the team itself, the offensive scheme, the quarterback play, all of that stuff. Uh, let's move on quickly to Gabriel Davis. One, one quick note. Uh, the Saints will be playing that first game against the Packers in Jacksonville because they cannot play in New Orleans uh, this soon after Hurricane Ida. So I don't really think that's going to change too much, but it's just something that's good to know. Maybe you can get in someone else's head in your league uh, about <laughs> that change of venue. That's always good. Yeah. Play that mind game. 
Gabriel Davis is here because John Brown was released by the Bills. Uh, he actually was released earlier this year, signed to the Raiders, and then people started talking about how John Brown would affect the receivers on the Raiders, and then after that, he was re-released by yeah, the Raiders. Yeah, when it came to cutting down... Yep. And John Brown actually requested his release, and uh, I mean, we could do a whole show about John Brown. No one would listen. We could do one, though. Um, John Brown might listen. <laughs> well... That'd be, be great. <laughs> if John Brown's listening, uh, call us. We'll we'll do a whole show. Sure. Yeah, that would be great. Um, the but, John Brown podcast. But that frees up 50-plus targets on the Bills offense. Uh, the Bills also acquired Emmanuel Sanders from the Saints. Uh, he was playing for the Saints last year. Sanders' ADP right now is WR65. Uh, and he's actually had a foot injury for almost all of the preseason. And uh, it's, again, an unfortunate thing. Sanders is a great player uh, back from when he was on the Steelers to all the different teams that he's been on. He's really contributed well to those teams. He's been a, a role player. He's been a, a slot guy. He's been a down-the-field guy. Whatever. Sanders has been great. I know you've had him on some of your fantasy teams. I still have him on a dynasty team. But but he's getting older, uh, yep. and more injuries occur all the time. So I, I don't think we should be counting on him as being a guy. Sanders to, is like a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy now. Yeah, so to play all... Like John Brown was. To play all 17 games, probably not likely. However, um, it looks like Sanders will be taking that role. I think he has a one-year contract with this particular team. Um, and Gabriel Davis... Um, will be filling in, obviously working in that offense, and who's a talented receiver as well. But I don't think he'll be starting each week because Cole Beasley expected still to be the primary slot receiver. And you've got, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, of course, is the WR1. And then Emmanuel Sanders, who will be in there as the as the Brown role, doesn't leave a lot of room for Gabriel Davis to be running around catching passes. And Cole Beasley's in there too. I already said that. Oh, my bad. Primary slot guy, yeah. right? So there's the three receivers, and uh, and Davis is going to fill in where he can. But I don't think he'll be a starting wide receiver on the team. But with someone like Josh Allen, he could easily support three wide receivers. Yeah. So the and the, we're talking about four guys, but yeah. So the concept is. In order for Davis to accomplish something on your fantasy team, uh, you have to have an injury or an issue with one of the other receivers uh, to, to put him more in the limelight. Oh, yeah. I kind of like Davis as a flyer, but if there's an injury ahead of him, then he definitely steps up into a very active role. Yes. And so Davis's ADP of WR78 reflects that a little bit. Um, and, again, we're starting to get into guys that are lower on the totem pole, but that's okay. Um, because I do like having WR depth and grabbing somebody like this or being familiar with their situation is important. Uh, I, I think personally that Sanders has a one-year contract there. He, it'll be up. He won't be renewed. Um, and Cole Beasley's getting older, etc. I, I feel like uh, Davis, who's been who's signed there for uh, a few years, will probably step up to have a much larger role in 2022 uh, unless there are injuries this particular year. So keep the guy in mind. He could be a great uh, flex play next year. Yeah, Davis is on his rookie contract. This will be the second of four years. Mm -hmm. And you're right about Emmanuel Sanders being on a one-year deal. Yeah, so you got to pay attention to the contracts when you're looking at these guys, especially in Dynasty Leagues. Um, Sanders is going to move around, but now he's just going to get one-year deals everywhere because he's too old to... Yeah. But, be. I mean, he's still got a good deal. He got $5.5 Oh, yeah. That's more than Gabe Davis's four years. Yeah. Gabe. Gabe. <laughs> uh, Quintez Cephas 
uh, with Galladay and Amendola gone, uh, we're talking about the Lions here. Uh, the starting wide receivers there are Tyrell Williams with an ADP of WR57, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown with a WR79 ADP, and Quintez Cephas with a 101. So not an inspiring bunch of guys uh, as a wide receiver Jeez. core, right? Uh, the passing targets in this offense... None have of to, them have been taken in our draft. They have to be distributed somehow. As a rookie last year, Cephas put up 20 receptions for 349 yards and two touchdowns. Oh. So he, he was a contributor, uh, but not big numbers. Danny Amendola is gone now, though. Uh, and Kenny Galladay signed a sizable contract with New York football giants. He fleeced them, I like to say. <laughs> uh, Cephas has a good chance to play the big slot role, which I love. I'm a big fan of the big-bodied receivers that, that play inside the numbers. I, I think that's a really good role for someone to play for a long amount of time and do really well in PPR leagues. Um, he's currently someone to look for uh, in deep or dynasty leagues. Most of the offense will go to the backfield uh, with uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Jamal Williams? It is. Okay. And TJ Hawkinson. Uh, of course, who's going to be one of the premier uh, tight ends in the league, and Tyrell Williams, who is their uh, de facto WR1. I wouldn't expect a ton from Jamal Williams. One thing I've noticed through the years is that if somebody gets uh, moved and they stay in the same division, they tend to be sort of washed up. It's sort of the end, because teams don't want to send good players to other teams in their division. Um, So if they're willing to let go, it was like when Donovan McNabb went from the Eagles to the to Washington. I have to disagree with you there because Williams is 26. The reason that he got let go is because they have uh, Aaron Jones and AJ. Was Dillon. he signed as a free agent or was he traded? Uh, I, th- I think he was uh, just uh, become a free agent from that team. Gotcha. Okay. That's but, a bit different. But they picked up AJ Dillon with a high draft pedigree and they had Aaron Jones. That they re-signed for a ton of money. So I think the Packers just didn't have room. Uh, Williams was always the guy, you know, I'll find some notes about him. Um, and, and, and then maybe we can uh, uh, have another short beer break before our last segment. What do you say? I think that you and I can do that. <laughs> All right. Make sure to look for Dave's new album, Outhouse Nightlife, due out in December. That's ridiculous. But you know that's the name of the album. It was in high school, anyway. <laughs> Regression towards the mean. See, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, talking fantasy football here. Yeah, it's year. a fantasy football-influenced album. Of course. It isn't. Everything in your life is influenced by fantasy football. I should, I should write a fantasy football song, though, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it should probably be the podcast theme song. I mean, whatever songs you write are going to be in the podcast. <laughs> because we get them for free. <laughs> um, so, here's the guys that, that are under the If All Goes Well category. And uh, I'm going to... I'm going to just quickly go over these guys because we don't have a ton of time. But if you have any questions in the in the chat room, please please do let us know. And if you guys are listening after please the fact, do. which uh, there's a, a ton of you I know, you can email 
uh, uh, me at Dave at drink5.com or Jason at drink5.com. That's right. If you're watching on YouTube, whether or not it's live. You can text us. Our phone numbers. Dave's is. No, no. Please please give us a like. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll get some kind of uh, superhuman power if you like us on Facebook. Uh, if you hit the subscribe button, then God only knows what will happen. Riches beyond your wildest dreams. Something good. Yeah. 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 Or you'll just know every time we're going to have a podcast. That'll also be a side effect. It, yeah. Which is riches beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Raiders very quickly. I have to do so or else uh, our... Uh, Tad will quit if we don't talk about the Raiders. Our contributor, uh, Tad, will come to my house and, and beat me with his... Uh, with his um, trophy. He'll, he'll be he... dressed like the crazy guys in the Raiders end zone. <laughs> Those guys are pretty intimidating. They uh, That's their point. Mm. So they're doing their job, I suppose. Yeah. What's funny is when they were from Oakland, it was more intimidating. Now they're in Vegas, so it's like, he's probably in a show. <laughs> he's probably just a nice guy. He's in it's a just show. Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. You don't really get like upset if you see someone dressed strangely in Vegas. It's like, eh. It's true. You <laughs> just expect it. So Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards... Ruggs was drafted 12th overall in 2020. He only put up 26 receptions for 452 yards and two touchdowns last season, along with nine rushes for 49 yards and two fumbles. Uh, but, but those fantasy points translate to almost two points per touch, which is very close to the elite uh, tier that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And uh, he had a high uh, uh, yards per catch of 17.4. Uh, which is among the top of all of the wide receivers in the past year. And so he has a shot to secure that number one wide receiver position. Now, uh, Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards are still on that team, but those guys are not striking fear into the hearts of any wide receiver. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at uh, NBC Sports Edge, formerly Roto World. Um, the entries on Brian Edwards, not in any of the most recent three entries, is... Um, uh, Henry or is um, oh, why am I spacing on his name? Rugs, not Rugs, the other guy, Renfro. Renfro mentioned once. They don't like to talk about Renfro. I mean, Renfro isn't mentioned as one of the guys who's even going to be a starter. <laughs> so obviously, this is all uh, preseason talk. But um, you know, some of the quotes, the the trust between Edwards and Carr is palpable. Well. I- so I, that's an only in journalism word. Unless Helpable. I'm unless I'm completely off base, uh, and I don't think I am. Hunter Renfro is just that like constantly overlooked guy who is always getting touchdowns, and we're like, why why isn't he on my team? I don't know. Oh, I forgot about him. What was his name? <laughs> Hunter Renfro. It's kind of like Cole Beasley. It was kind of like Wes Welker. It was kind of like you know these these guys. They're not uh, they're not amazing. Five out- foot ten, very forgettable. Yeah, they're not amazing, outstanding like uh, athletes that are doing crazy stuff and celebrating and going on TV afterwards. Uh, you know, dressed in high heels. Uh, no disrespect to Cam Newton, but I, I just don't think that uh, uh, Renfro is a guy that people like to talk about. But he's certainly a guy that has gotten a lot of uh, touches in, on the Raiders. Uh, Forty nine in his first year, fifty six in his second year. Yeah. Not a ton, so, but just enough to like take away enough fantasy production from other guys. Well, let's finish the conversation. Darren Waller is the number one guy there. He's clearly uh, sucking up targets like, uh, like a Hoover vacuum. 
And we got Renfro, who no one even understands or realizes is a player on the Raiders. Is He is still a player on the Raiders. Who's also sucking up targets. He will. But maybe not like a Hoover, like a lesser known brand. Right. He's yeah. like a shark. He's a shark. The shark of the Raiders, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but the question here is, uh, will it be Ruggs or Edwards, who everyone thinks is a sleeper, who ends up getting that coveted wide receiver one on the Raiders role? Uh, I, say that, I say that with some sarcasm embedded uh but brian edwards his adp right now is wr69 uh which means obviously that 69 420 brian edwards woo! yeah that's right nice uh, but but rugs but rugs is a uh a 52 adp so we think that rugs high pedigree and his uh his penchant for uh points per touch and his good yards per catch will only increase yeah. And that they would be a fool not to utilize his talents the most. Um, Edwards is more of the bigger-bodied, red-zone threat guy. Uh, whether or not that will pan out for Edwards it's, uh, remains to be seen. But I think that we both agree, uh, at least currently, that Ruggs is the more likely guy to have success. And that Edwards might well end up being one of those guys that was always a sleeper and is still asleep. Yeah, he might be a snoozer. <laughs> as I said earlier offline. That's right. I like Ruggs as the best chance uh, for a guy with a high ceiling out of this offense. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to compliment Waller. Just because Ruggs has the talent, although he was sort of a generically Raiders draft pick in that he was just the fastest guy available, and that's why they took him. Well, he's very fast. I think it was 4.27 or something like that yeah. for a 40. I still remember that number. But as we've seen, like... It matters how fast you are when someone's chasing you. It matters how fast you are when you have to dodge people and you're carrying the ball. If you're just running in a straight line with nobody around, that's a different skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ragor did not perform to expectations last year after being a first-round pick, but the Eagles were a literal dumpster fire. They were a dumpster that was on fire. There are pictures of this. People took pictures. Uh, yeah. And they didn't have a single wide receiver in 2020 that put up over 550 yards. In, in fact, Travis Fulgham was the leading receiver on the team, and he had less than 10 receptions over the final seven games and of the season. And he got cut, right? He is, uh, I think, being is, re-signed to the practice, practice squad, squad, but he got released. That's You have to get cut to go to the practice squad. The best receiver on the Eagles last year is now on their practice squad. Yeah. So they're starting over, right? Uh, but Rhaegar is clearly the best of the options in Philly. His name also sounds like he's a character on Game of Thrones, which is pretty cool. Uh, Jalen Rhaegar Targaryen. His success will be directly tied to Jalen Hurts' performance on the field, which may not be good for him. Uh, The ADP of WR60. He needs needs some Minshew mania. No. (laughs) Nobody needs Gardner Minshew mania. Ugh. His ADP is WR60. That makes him an end-of-draft selection with strong upside. It does. But I don't suggest getting anyone from the Eagles. I, you know, uh, I, I suggest not drafting any Eagles. And that's not like a... I'll drink to that. It's not a, su- a surprising <laughs> thing. Right? No what, a, what a hot take there, Dave. No Eagles here, please. Thank you. Mm. Last couple guys. We will have uh, these uh, articles up on the website as well along with my updated rankings, which I'm going to be putting through tomorrow morning. Uh, And for all of you people with drafts uh, that are Labor Day weekend, uh, we hope that you will consider using our rankings as part of or as your rankings for your draft. You can go to drink5.com and look at my rankings specifically. A lot of people don't allow that. A lot of uh, experts that are a part of Fantasy Pros like we are have uh, paywall websites. Yeah. 
Um, we're we're men of the people, <laughs> and we want to make sure the people get all the information they can get. Uh, that's that's true. Uh, Denzel Mims. Mims ADP is WR89. Mims is on the Jets. Mims has a great birthday. Oh, is it is it 10? 10? Yeah. <laughs> it certainly is. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just on his page. He's a big dude. 6'3", 207. So, Corey Davis, uh, number one wide receiver for the Jets. I actually really like Corey Davis, but we're not talking about him. Uh, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims. Those are the three guys that we'll uh, be talking about briefly uh, while having this conversation. Uh, Crowder has consistently performed well for the Jets, and before that, Washington. Yeah. Uh, on a year-to-year basis since 2015, he's hovered around 100 targets per season. And Crowder has always been um, finishing above his ADP that he's drafted at. He has consistently been a great PPR uh, a guy for your team that hardly anybody ever uses. The Jets have a tremendous stink upon them that people just avoid them like the plague. They do. Talk about dumpster fire. They, you know, This is like the, the fire in a mine that has been burning for 30 years. <sighs> it's true. Um, but Jamison Crowder's contract expires after this season, making him a free agent next year. Looks like the Jets want to utilize Corey Davis, who they signed for a three-year contract, uh, and Elijah Moore, who's a rookie this year and looks like an explosive rookie, and, hypothetically. Yeah. And Denzel Mims, who is a guy who's obviously a second-year receiver. Mims seems like kind of a downfield guy, probably, um, based on his 15 and a half yards per reception last year. So he's he's a, a big bodied guy that they want to use uh, um, inside and outside the numbers. Um, I have seen him be used as an outside receiver. That's true. Uh, he's definitely not a, a slot receiver, but that is already uh, uh, taken up uh, by Crowder and Elijah Moore. Sure. So that's not really an issue. Um, but I think he's purely a, a really deep league or dynasty league flyer at this point. So I think we can take him off the board. I think that Jameson Crowder and uh, and Corey Davis are going to suck up most of the targets with Elijah Moore coming on late, uh, and Crowder will be on a different team next year. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, the, the time for Denzel Mims, if there is one, again, kind of like Gabriel Davis, is going to have to wait a year. Last guy, Van Jefferson. So uh, last season, excuses for Jefferson's performance included the subpar QB play of Jared Goff and the crowded receiver room that included Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds. If you hadn't guessed already, we're talking about Van Jefferson from the L.A. Rams. Yep. Uh, with Reynolds' departure to the Titans uh, as a slot guy over there, a path to playtime may have opened up for Jefferson, but then the Rams went and signed Deshaun Jackson, and we were talking about Emmanuel Sanders. Here's another guy who's very fast, downfield target, but often injury-prone. Yeah. Uh, he's actually... Uh, put up numbers that are just amazing uh, when healthy. I mean, the the really big change in this offense is obviously Matt Stafford at quarterback, mm-hmm. which is going to change so much. I think Matt Stafford's finally going to get some of the respect he deserves. No, you're right. But the problem is that they, they signed Deshaun Jackson and they drafted rookie Tutu Atwell. Uh, and reports are that Van Jefferson's doing well this preseason, which is great. He's going to remain on the team. He has options. But I just don't really think that uh, because Deshaun Jackson and Tutu uh, were just acquired by the team, that Van Jefferson is going to be able to propel himself above the performance of uh, of Cooper Cup um, and Robert Woods. I agree with that. There's no way he can pass those guys. And Deshaun Jackson is going to be used until he dies on that team. 
Yes, and he won't <laughs> probably play uh, all the snaps, which will probably mean that he, uh, you know, Jefferson and Jackson will rotate. But, you know, like you said, Josh Reynolds is gone. That helps a lot in terms of freeing up some space. Yep. So Jefferson's current ADP of WR 111 accurately reflects our conversation here. <laughs> it certainly does. But I really like the idea of these second-year receivers breaking out, and I think we should revisit this at the end of next season when we go back and, and talk about how they actually did. I think that we'll find that some of the upside guys that we talked about actually did carve out roles, but a lot of it is very dependent on what happens within the season with those other guys that are older, the injuries, the quarterback right. play. If someone gets injured ahead of you, you know, you may be given the opportunity, but you gotta you gotta do something with it. Yeah, that's totally right. Yep. So um, let's wrap up with some fantasy red flags. Uh, this was uh, an interesting uh, proposal you had here. Just some, you know, some things to look out for during the season and during the draft. Um, so reasons to avoid people in a draft. Uh, you've got players who are injury prone, uh, players who have a lot of competition at their position or are stuck in a committee, generally at the running back position there. Um, players who are historically inconsistent but maybe have a lot of hype around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, you got offensive woes on teams, like uh, good players on a team with a bad quarterback or a team with a really shaky offensive line. I'm thinking uh, the Bears and the Colts right now. Um, or maybe play calling issues, management issues. Like you've got where, what I see in Minnesota is the, the management at odds with the offense. The offensive line is ranked by PFF from the Colts as the second best in the NFL. Yes, but they don't have Quentin Nelson or their left tackle. They've lost some players since that ranking has come out. They, they, they should be the best offensive line in the league. They've lost some of the most important parts of it, and we don't know how it's going to affect them yet. Oh, was that the surprise retirement? No. Um, what's the surprise retirement? This is definitely a surprise to me. No, I know that Quentin Nelson had the same injury as Carson Wentz, so he shouldn't be out all year, but I believe their left tackle uh, tore a thing that brought him out for the year. Oh, okay. I see. Um, we we talked about this the other day, but there's there's someone who was a surprising retirement. has nothing to do with our conversation right now. Fair enough. <laughs> so an injury-prone player is something that myself, I try to ignore, honestly, um, unless the players burned me in the past. So clearly this is a personal bias. <laughs> I fully acknowledge that. Um, but the NFL is very dependent on health. Uh, I don't think you can go into the season assuming anyone is going to be more healthy or more likely to get hurt than someone else unless they have a clear history of that. Can you think of any players that sort of fall into this category? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson, <laughs> Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders, okay. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. Look, it's normally older players that are like uh, super fast or super shifty. Because they're uh, they're using their joints uh, and 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 they're using them to such a degree that they can't continue to do that uh, year upon year upon year. Sure. Uh, but in general, I will agree with you. Um, you should never draft based on what you think might possibly happen to that player health wise. Yeah. You should draft based on the the best possible upside for the scenario. That's generally what you want. Is yeah, you want the best upside. So, uh, when you've got a committee that you're worried about, it's generally at the running back position, but it can happen anywhere. Look at the quarterback situation in New Orleans. Um, clearly, some of that scoring is going to be vultured by Taysom Hill this year. 
those touchdowns would have gone to Jason, Jameis Winston. They're not going to. He's going to uh, be less productive this year because Taysom Hill is on that team. You've got to take that into account when assigning value to both of those players. Because in a two-quarterback league, obviously Jameis will be taken, but some people might be taking Taysom Hill at the end of the draft in a super flex league. Um, so don't forget to look at a player's team as a general indication to how you expect the individuals to perform. For example, the Houston offense, as run by Tyred Taylor, will probably be anemic. So even though there is a WR1 and an RB1 on that team, uh, think about the Detroit Lions. You've got Swift and you've got Tyrell Williams, and both of those guys aren't being drafted until the 10th round. And, you know, they're buried in the rankings because we expect the team to be terrible. And even though those guys are going to be the primary uh, focus of the offense, it's not enough because the offenses are so bad. So, if we want to expound on that a little bit, you can look at a great wide receiver on a team with a bad quarterback. And it can really be tempting, but it's only going to give you headaches. You know, those guys tend to fall in drafts, which means that you're going to look at them, and they're still going to be there. And, you know, you're going to have a bunch of players crossed off on either side of them. They're going to be very tempting to draft. But honestly, it's still the wrong move because it's going to be, you're going to be drafting problems instead of upside and solutions. Uh, any, anybody who pop in your head as a as a really good player on a team that's gonna not have enough around them to actually make them, uh, you know, live up to their standard? It's got to be someone on a bad. The, the running backs in Houston oh, come a, to mind. There's a ton, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and one thing I forgot to mention earlier the the Jets stink, right? I, I think that some of these players are going to be a lot better than we think they're going to be because um, the Jets are a completely different team this year. Well, we, we've talked about this in a previous podcast, too, is that the, the Jets actually, uh, this year, maybe more than ever before, at least in the past, like, uh, 15, 20 years, where they've gone through, like, three, four different quarterback, franchise quarterbacks, like Mark Sanchez, et cetera. Um, <laughs> oh, Mark Sanchez. Have, have finally gotten to a point where we can say that, actually, they do look all right, you know? Um, and it doesn't mean that they won't be bad. But it means that uh, that looking at their team with perspective, um, they have a higher chance to be an actually good team this year than they have over all the time that we've been playing fantasy football. Yeah, we should look at them in a vacuum rather than comparing them to the Adam Gase-led Jets team that you know had an ineffective Le'Veon Bell, and um, I don't even remember who their quarterback was last year. But he wasn't any good. <laughs> then now they've got Zach Wilson, and he's much better. So, reasons to sit a guy. So, this is an in-season thing. Reasons to sit a guy when he would otherwise start him. Well, it was Sam Darnold who actually is, oh, that's right. is not necessarily a bad quarterback. But everyone in that team... Everyone on the team had the stink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, had to take a, he had to take a bath like if you're, if you're hit with a skunk. You know? Yeah, you go sit in tomato juice and get sent to Carolina. That's right. That's what everyone has to do. If they get hit by a not spot. a bad situation for Darnold going to Carolina. He's like, okay, Christian McCaffrey. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. All I do is There's, this this every play. <laughs> I got Just it. Find a way to get it to the to the McCaffrey guy. I got it. <laughs> so if you've got a player that's being used as a decoy, so this the number one player that comes to mind is Julio Jones, and you're going to see this with the veteran guys. Mike Evans is another player that I feel like was used as a decoy. When they've been injured, if they're veterans, they know how to handle themselves on the field and not 
stress those injuries. Therefore, they can really draw some attention, at least for part of the game, uh, even though they have no in, no indication they're going to be used at all. So, Mike Evans, sure. Uh, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen did that for three games last year. Yeah. Um, it, whenever you hear... It's really impressive that you can do it for three games. Whenever you hear that this is happening, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I fall into the same pattern as everybody else. The coach will be like, he's fine, he's 100% healthy, and then you hear a beat reporter like, he's going to be used as a decoy, and like, he's just going to run his routes right. and not ever do anything. Right, they're not going to throw him the ball. Because he's got like a hyperextension of his do, arm. Right, you can't do jump balls, or he's yeah. had a broken finger and he can't actually catch. He's at practice right now, is what's right. happening. But they have to cover him, because if you leave him wide open, then they will throw him the ball. So, it's, it's a better strategy to not play that person ever, <laughs> if you hear the word decoy surrounding his... Uh, uh, his his start. Yeah, so if you believe the injury, uh, whatever injury they have is going to limit their playing time or their overall ceiling. If someone um, is a big play type of player... Snap count. Yeah, and they're on a snap count, uh, then they're just not going to... like. Sure, they may blow up, but the odds of that happening are so small, you can't be betting on that. Those aren't the kind of odds you want. You want to you wanna put the best odds uh, that you can out there. Um, and then, of course, the weather. Obviously, later in the year, pay attention to weather. Uh, and, and you're really only concerned with bad passing conditions. Um, I'm talking really bad. I'm talking high winds, cold rain. Generally speaking, in the snow, quarterbacks aren't terrible. Because snow, you know, being in Chicago, we know that you would rather have it be 25 degrees and snowing than 33 degrees and raining. You know, 33 degrees and raining is the most miserable experience you can think of. 25 degrees and snowing is, a, you know, got a little bit of magic to it. Um, <laughs> so, and, and disregard Tom Brady when it comes to bad weather. He will be a champion. I've seen at least three or four games in, in complete snow or complete rain where Tom Brady is thrown for six touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. Just Tom Brady does not apply in this <laughs> scenario. Well, if you are familiar with uh, uh, W Underground... Uh, yep. th- that's a website that has uh, NFL weekly schedule weather forecast, and so does NFLweather.com. Either of those websites will will tell you what's going on. Uh, w Underground has has, uh, at least in the past, given a more comprehensive view uh, of exactly what to expect. But to his point, if if there's a lot of rain, um, anything like that in an, uh, a stadium that's obviously not a dome, um, you may think that it's okay because your guy's a stud. But no one, nobody wants to be out there, you know, running downfield crossing routes. Right. Uh, when you, if you slip, then you've torn your ACL. Right. Nobody wants to catch, <laughs> you know, rockets, fastballs from Aaron Rodgers when it's, you know, five degrees in Green Bay. No, nope, nobody. Unless Tom Brady is their quarterback. If Tom Brady's a quarterback, all bets are off. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, well, that's a lot of information in a little amount of time. Yes. And uh, and like so, Jason, listen to this podcast again to fully absorb it all. That's right. <laughs> and no, and, but go to our website, check it out, drink5.com. We're gonna have tons of information for you this week. Lots of stuff all year long. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a review uh, of the podcast if you liked it. Give us five stars because that's a thing that helps us. We'll give you five stars, too. It's like Uber. We can rate our viewers. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Send us some good questions. We'll give you five stars if it's a good question. (laughs) All right, everybody. Good luck in your drafts. We'll be back to preview week one next week.
I'll be back. See you Cheers, then. everyone.